You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash Enterprise Data to learn more. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Countdown to Iowa. Folks, we're headed to Des Moines all next week. We're going to get a preview of somebody already on the ground. My good friend and colleague, Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg's politics editor. She's going to hop on the line via Iowa. And the horse race is now approaching the finish line. Bernie Sanders surging in the polls. Bernie's surging. And you've got Joe Biden still duking it out. Plus, can, uh, can there be any last-minute shakeups? And we're going to dive into the poll numbers coming out of the Hawkeye State and the latest on the coronavirus. The World Health Organization has declared an emergency. And, well, it's a global one. So we'll bring you the latest on how the president is reacting to coronavirus and, of course, impeachment deadline. Tick-tock, tick-tock. It's now looking like there's not going to be those witnesses. Every day, a new development, new twist and turn. Witnesses, no witness. We'll find out within about 24 hours. We've got an all-star panel. Joel Payne's going to join us, Democratic strategist, former director of African-American media outreach for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. And Lester Munson, principal at the government relations firm BGR. The BGR group, he's also an adjunct faculty member at Johns Hopkins University. And I remember back when he was working for Senator Bob Corker, Republican from Tennessee, and I'd always try to get a scoop out of him. But first, we begin things tonight with my good friend who has left me here alone in the Bloomberg Bureau, Wendy (laughs) Benjaminson, Bloomberg Politics Editor. You're out in Iowa. Where are you, Wendy, in Iowa? I am sitting in the Bloomberg, a beautiful Bloomberg News workspace in the Des Moines Marriott, downtown Des Moines. It is really cold here. (laughs) (laughs) So no palm trees. No no palm trees. All right. So Wendy, catch me up to speed because I'm I'm crunching the numbers on these polls, and it it looks like it's a two-way race between Bernie and Biden. That seems to be the conventional wisdom here, although it really could be anybody at this point. I was just looking at a chart in a story that will be moving in the morning that shows this real cluster at the top. It's Biden. Sanders, or I should say Sanders, Biden, uh, um, Warren, and Buttigieg. And then there's Amy Klobuchar just sort of floating there in the middle. And then there's everybody else down at the bottom. Um, Amy Klobuchar is working really, really hard um, to raise her numbers. She's 
been to like every county in Iowa. She's campaigning all over the place. She could have a late surge. Today it's Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Tomorrow, who knows? Who knows? I mean, really, who knows? And in fact, I was talking with a source on the president's re-election campaign. They are all headed there. I mean, did you see that press release, Wendy? I mean, they are all headed there. Virtual members of the cabinet. Yes. Top surrogates, members of the first family. And and I remember tell, talking to you about this a couple of weeks ago. And now, I mean, it really is. They're going all in on Iowa to try to, uh, on the night before the State of the Union. I mean, they're going to be everywhere. They're flooding the zone. They are totally flooding the zone. The president is having a rally right here in Des Moines tonight uh, while the whole rest of the uh, state is focused on the Democratic race. I think what the Trump re-election campaign and the Republican Party are trying to do is to remind Iowans there's also a Republican caucus on Monday night. Now, the, the outcome is a foregone conclusion, but they still need people to come out and caucus um, or it could be embarrassing for the president. You know, it really is a fascinating point. I mean, here's a state that the president carried by 10 percentage points back in 2016 and now you've got this run this sprint this mad dash and I'm curious at least from from these some of these other candidates Pete Buttigieg for example I'm curious how much of the expectation games must be weighed with momentum heading into the Granite State New Hampshire well that's bringing up Pete Buttigieg is a great point Kevin because he is Thanks, going boss. on a sure <laughs> he's going <laughs> he's going on a uh uh, tour. He's taking reporters on a plane to six different rallies tomorrow all over Iowa. And today for the first time he hit Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders by name for being out of touch out of touch with you know the most people in the country for being old essentially is what he did. And um, that's a really new tactic for that's Buttigieg. That's a departure. He's, yes, he's talked about generational change before and it's been obvious because he's 38 but um, today he actually named, name-checked the old guys in the race. So it's uh, we'll see what tomorrow's going to be like. You think it's too little, too late for Buttigieg? It could be. Although remember, he was in the top spot just a few weeks ago. I know. You know, you really can't predict these things. What else have yeah. you learned just from being out there? And I'm getting there Saturday. But what else have you learned? I was struck by Joe Weisenthal's interview with Andrew Yang, and he, he laid the groundwork for a, a, a Bernie Sanders endorsement. Well, we had an on-the-record breakfast with Andrew Yang right before that interview, and it was uh, really interesting. He talked about how, you know, the natural sort of constituency for caucus-goers who support Andrew Yang now, but where they would go if Andrew Yang doesn't make the 15% threshold that they need to move on to the second round, the natural constituency is to go for them to go to Bernie Sanders. But but his attitude was, I'm not telling them where to go. You know, it's not, he doesn't think he's going to endorse. He doesn't, you know, he's just, his attitude is, if you don't like me, then, you know, go wherever you're going to go. He's not trying to play kingmaker, which is another sort of iconoclastic thing. He's got a ton him. of money, though. I mean, he really does, he does have, have a ton of money. He has a ton of money, and he also has a mobilized online uh, contingency that, that is incredibly uh, influential in terms of driving right. web traffic. So is the trick is whether those people are going to come out Monday night and go to all these different places and actually pick him or not. Right. You know, he's he's funny, he's smart, he's interesting. And the question is, do people want him to be president or do they just want to watch him talk? I think for Joe Biden, really, this becomes an expectations game. Joe Biden has consistently yeah. led all of the national polls. The question now is, can his ground game, can his operation in the caucus states, in the primary states, can they match the level of name recognition that he has at the national level? And I think if he if he has a strong showing in Iowa... You know, I mean, you've got you've got a, a ton of momentum. If he doesn't have a strong showing, what happens? What are they laying the groundwork for that, or what? What, what are we gathering in terms of expectations that Biden world is setting? 
Well, the trouble for Joe Biden is that the expectations are incredibly high. He's the former vice president. He's been around for 30, 40 years. He is the heir to the Barack Obama legacy. And yet everything you say is absolutely right. He hasn't um, his ground game here has not been as effective as other candidates. Iowa has never been had a lot of love for Joe Biden. So the question is, you know, now he's starting to say, well, I don't have to win Iowa. You know, it's okay if I don't win Iowa. The trouble is, if he doesn't win Iowa, probably one of the other New England senators running for president will win New Hampshire. And then he has to win Nevada or South Carolina. I mean, he will win South Carolina, but he can't just win South Carolina. He he's has to get show money. that he's the electable guy because that's his argument. A guy who argues electability has to actually win an election. Wendy, Washington's obsessed with this impeachment trial, which I'm gathering could be over. Oh, catch my breath by tomorrow <laughs> night or, or Saturday yeah. morning before I head back out to Iowa. I'm curious. Though, I mean, based upon my reporting, and I want to see if yours matches this in the sense no one's talking about impeachment in Iowa. They're talking about the economy. That's right. We had uh, Amy Klobuchar's campaign manager, Justin Bruin, in today, and he said that they never get asked about impeachment. And Amy no Klobuchar, one. of course, is there in Washington, um, you know, uh, being a juror in the impeachment trial. People ask about health care. They ask about the price of pharmaceuticals. They ask about even trade. They ask about even foreign policy. But well, the you know, stuff that matters, stuff just that not we cover every day on this program. Well, and, and, stuff and, you know, that I give it to Delco their test. everyday lives. And I, and I give it to Delco test. No one back home in Delco, outside of Philadelphia, is is following every twist and turn of this impeachment trial. Wendy, save me a bison burger, and we'll go to Zombie Burger <laughs> this weekend, and we'll catch up, all right, my friend? Stay That's warm. All right. Tell Tyler Pager to pack a Red Bull. All right. He's on the, <laughs> he, is he on the Buttigieg plane tomorrow? He is on the Buttigieg plane All right. Plane He's tomorrow. doing great Absolutely. stuff. Go, Ty. All right. Thanks to Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg Politics Editor. Coming up, all-star panel. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Such a great song. Wonder Wall. The Wall. Wonder Wall. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're going to talk about impeachment, folks. I mean, are we going to have witnesses or are we not going to have witnesses? It's looking like we're not going to have them. And we've got an all-star panel uh, to navigate through. Joel Payne. A regular. Hey, Joel. Hey, Kevin. How are you? I'm, get, I'm packing for Iowa. I leave Saturday. I'm like, I don't know if I can fit all my coats in there. You know, I've, I've got to take the fur off of the coat in order to make it fit. You know what I mean? Bundle up. Bundle up. And Lester Munson's here, principal at government relations firm BGR Group, an adjunct faculty member at Johns Hopkins University. What up, Lester? Kevin, nice to see you. You know, after the last show, you said you would come back, and, and now here you're here, I so I know you meant it. All right, I don't want to start with impeachment because everything, everyone's buzzing about this coronavirus. Have you been following this? The coronavirus, the World Health Organization, has declared an emergency. I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal. My colleagues, James Patton, Michelle Cortez, and Bryce Bashuk, they say, quote, the World Health Organization called the outbreak of the coronavirus in China a global health emergency, citing the risk that the sometimes deadly virus could expand to other countries beyond the smattering of cases outside of China so far. I mean, I'm struck by this because you look at 
how automakers are now likely going to cut China production by 15%, according to one supplier. The Italian cruise ship is going to is, is locked in a port despite a negative diagnosis. So you've got ships being stalled, auto production being halted, and um, you know the World Health Organization calling it a, uh, a an emergency. Joel, I mean, this is really. I said this yesterday. I was talking to some folks about this all week. This is a blind spot in the global economy. No, it is a blind spot in the global economy. It's also a blind spot in the minds of a lot of people who we depend on to make our decisions on priorities here in the states. And look, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, the the sun went down. It's Donald Trump's fault. But I will say, you do have to look at how Listen, people prioritize issues. Come on, this program and say that. <laughs> but but you do have to look at how how our elected leaders prioritize issues and how it comes back to affect us. The same thing with disaster funding. Right, so when we what, have do a big hurricane. what do you want to see? What do you want to? I don't know. I'd like to see him reverse the billions of dollars in cuts to right. you know global health uh, prioritization um, you know he, he he talks a lot about the economy and, and there certainly are a lot of good things he's done for the economy this is the hidden tax that sometimes exists when you have somebody who's a little bit asleep at the wheel when it comes to filling key positions and and funding things to the full level at the federal budget all right Lester here's a disease that originated in Wuhan China and it's a blue collar town it's a it's a commodity driven town and it's 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 very interconnected in terms of global trade obviously we're coming off the US China phase 1 trade agreement and now president trump and general secretary xi jinping are having to talk having to, to having to discuss this about how to halt this lester take us behind the scenes in your work on the senate foreign relations committee and now of course at bgr group take us behind the scenes into the actual conversations that get had when an outbreak like this occurs regardless of who's in the white house well first of all uh the consumption of bats of live bats is way down now people are not going to be eating bats uh that's my prediction based on some of the videos i've seen i'm kind of joking kevin i don't uh, know i didn't know if that was a joke that went way over my head sorry one <laughs> of the things that you find at the like, live market in, in china is all of these animal like there's a more of a willingness in China to eat wildlife than there is here. It's a cultural thing. That's going to wane. Uh, I think what's really going on behind the scenes, though, to kind of pivot off of what Joel said, is you're going to see a lot more scrutiny of the World Health Organization. Uh, Dr. Tedros, who's the head of the WHO, was in China a few days ago. He basically gave them his stamp of approval. I'm not sure that was the best thing to say. China's response could have been a lot better. They were holding back key information late last year when they knew this thing was metastasizing. A little bit earlier warning may have led to fewer infections now and maybe even fewer deaths. So I think I'm expecting there to be a lot more scrutiny of internet national organizations like the WHO real soon. Kevin, so remember, a, go remember. Ahead, let me just unpackage one thing that Lester just said, though. And, and we started with a humorous joke with regards to bat. That said, however, what you just said is where the volatility lies, as particularly for investors who are looking in various sectors of the food market and in various trends in global food trends. What you just said has the potential to move markets, and that's why you're seeing volatility in that sense. The second point that you've raised in terms of scrutiny over the World Health Organization at a time in which Xi Jinping is restructuring the government in order to presume power or has restructured the government to hold on to power for so long. That is a long implication. My question to you, though, is, again, taking us behind the scenes here, what can global governments worldwide do to shift the 
or to rather make, I don't know if transparency is the best word, but to increase the communicative flow as it relates to global outbreaks? Well, look, we had, we had the SARS epidemic 15 yeah. years ago in China. It was handled very badly. China came under a lot of criticism. China's improved. Their response is better now. It's still not where it should be, but it's it's been better. And there's more transparency and more openness from that government. We need to keep the pressure on China to be to disclose what's happening there. They're not an open democracy. They limit the internet there. They limit the government controls what people can say or do. So there's it's it's a lot easier for China to fall into the trap of kind of closing down and hoping the problem goes away. This thing needs to be discussed. It needs to get out there. People need to know what's happening. They need to be able to make decisions about their lives. Joel, I just find this fascinating. I mean, truthfully, regardless of whether it's Democrats or Republicans, there's only so much, it would appear, that the United States alone can do in order to pressure a, a, a uh, another government like China, for example, to be so brazen and to withhold information about a disease that has global, global ramifications. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, look, and I think that, you know, when you have an administration that's deprioritized again, not just the funding here in the States, but also the relationships internationally. Let's remember a lot of those strong allies that we've got around the world have kind of lost confidence in America as the leader, as the moral leader at the table. And when you have moments like this, I think that's that hidden tax that I don't think we always pay attention to. But you know, if Donald Trump maybe had a better relationship with Angela Merkel, if he had a better relationship with Macron, if he had a better relationship with people across Europe, maybe it's easier to go and have multilateral conversations with China. Maybe it's easier to go and be a little bit more of a global states person, which we expect our president to be. Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely disagreeing with that at all. I wish the administration had taken uh, the appointment of the leader of the WHO much more seriously and played an active role. I think we could have a better expert in there, like a Tony Fauci, who's an American, who's, who's Yo, the where's world. the czar? How come he has a name to czar? You know, uh, Obama ended up naming a czar right. when, during the last uh, big Ebola outbreak in West Africa. Uh, it was uh, Al Gore's former staffer, whose name is escaping me at yeah. the moment. But there's, uh, you know, th- why not do that? I mean, this is this is a scary time. This There's already more people infected uh, by this coronavirus than there were under Ebola from West Africa. More, There's more Americans who've been infected than there were from Ebola before. So this is this is a real thing. I think you're going to see pressure for Azar. Coming up, much more panel reaction. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs off of my favorite album, All That You Can't Leave Behind by the best band in the history of music. Not even Beethoven's better. You too. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Lester Munson is rolling his eyes. Who's your favorite band, Lester? I'm I'm uh, furrowing my brow, wow. technically. Wow. <laughs> uh, who is my favorite band? Uh, the Rolling Stones, obviously. Okay. Yeah. That's a good pick. Thank Joel you. Payne, who's your favorite band? Wu-Tang Clan. Tiffany Hauser, who's your favorite band? 
I don't know if I could say band, but I would say Prince. Oh, (laughs) Tiffany Hauser making her Bloomberg Radio Sound On debut. She is a leadership coach, strategist, and speaker, and she consults with businesses uh, and advises CEOs and whatnot. I've got a lot to talk about with you, my friend. But first, I want to stick with our political panel for a second and talk about impeachment. All right. The Senate Republicans are growing confident that they have been able to block impeachment witnesses. Why, Lester? What happened between now and Maggie's scoop a couple of days ago? Well, clearly Mitch McConnell's been working behind the scenes uh, to help the president. He's been talking to the Republicans who are at risk uh, in the election coming up this year. He's been talking to moderates, and he's been working on getting some of them to come over to his side. He's been, it appears that he's going to be successful. Did you see Susan Collins, Senator Susan Collins, Republican from Maine, release some of the audio tapes that she's been getting left? I thought it was a fascinating I, – I can't play them on there because, I mean, they're so vulgar, so grotesque. But I, I think it was a good illustration of, of, truthfully, what lawmakers in both parties now – it's one thing to see it in your at replies. It's another to hear it in your voice logs, voicemail logs. It's bad. People are, people are nasty. You could you just look on uh, politicians' Facebook posts. Every single comment underneath it is nasty and negative. There's, we've really we've just gone to our corners in this country, um, and no, one, no one's nice to the other I mean, side. They're taking their cues from some elected officials, though. I mean, you know, I mean, some, we, we've got things that our president has said from the pulpit of the White House that we can't repeat on air. Let's stick so, with impeachment. Yeah. So do you think there's going to be witnesses tomorrow? Uh, it looks like right now Republicans are probably going to win the witness vote and they're going to be able to block that. And, and I think that's really that would be a monumental problem for Republicans really? that they've got to defend for the next year. Yeah, because I think the case has been made for a fair trial, 75 percent support throughout the country. Yeah. And honestly, what are Republicans hiding from John Bolton? John Bolton is no member of the the Democrat the Democrats of America. Me and John Bolton don't hang out, right? No, you don't. <laughs> so, you don't. so so <laughs> if you're afraid of what John Bolton has to say about a Republican president, that is very problematic. Okay, take us behind the scenes. All right, let's 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 go into process mode because I want if you're in, on your way home from work, I want folks to, to kind of p- play this out. T- Tuesday night is the State of the Union address. Likely it's looking like the president's will be cleared by Tuesday night by the Republican-controlled Senate. Where does Speaker Pelosi go Wednesday morning? Uh, other than home? <laughs> no, I, what's her plan? Oh, I understand what you're saying. Sorry. Uh, look, I, I should have asked a better question. No, 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 no. You're, you're fine. I just Thank wanted you. to make sure I understood it correctly. I think, I think Speaker Pelosi and every Democrat in America will begin a unified message of what are Republicans hiding? Why would they not stand up to find out the truth about what happened? They claim that they don't have enough information to move forward, yet they blocked every uh, accountability measure that was put forward to get more information, what, documents, and witnesses. What you're not saying is drug pricing. And that's, that's my policy-based question. Is, is there room for Speaker Pelosi and President Trump to work together on policy issues that will not get coverage in the mainstream press, Absolutely. especially in an election year? But can they do things as it relates to defense spending and contracting and con- uh, I'm, I'm shaking my head feverishly yeah. yes they just passed the gigantic right. trade deal that with Nancy Pelosi's and I love the way she spun that was when she said I was surprised the Republicans were on board with me I pulled them so far to the left I'm like Chuck Schumer disagrees with you but <laughs> we'll leave it there all right I now want to bring into the conversation Tiffany Hauser she's a leadership coach strategist and speaker and Tiffany texted me this article a couple of days ago about Goldman Sachs it's on the Bloomberg terminal uh, Jeff Green reports on the Bloomberg terminal the era of the white all-male board is coming to an end. Goldman Sachs Group 
Chief Executive Officer David Solomon issued the, this latest ultimatum Thursday from Davos. Wall Street's biggest underwriter of initial public offerings in the U.S. will no longer take a company public in the United States and Europe if it lacks a director who is either female or diverse. Now, Asia is not included in the firm's new policy. Tiffany Hauser, you advise CEOs, you talk to board members, you talk about all these different boards. This is a monumental cultural shift as it relates coming from Goldman Sachs. Yeah, and what what was interesting when we saw this piece last week was, you know, this has been happening in California since last year. Wow. Mandated by law. So for this to be coming full circle into the financial sector, it just, it popped. It, it had its traction, its momentum. And, you know, I just love what David said with the focus on females. So he wasn't exactly direct with, you know, what that quote unquote means, but ended with a focus on females. It's interesting, Tiffany, especially when you look at it through the lens of what other business groups have done, such as the Business Roundtable, for example, and, and, and changing their um, and changing their statement their a public mission statement as it relates to being more inclusive to being more diverse and it really seems that that corporate america has been dare i say ahead of washington on this front as it relates to embracing diversity yeah and you know the the interesting part here is that it it it's been happening it's not as if there's a lag or a trail. Um, and when we start to see the impact, you know, David had mentioned in that article that companies with one diverse board member saw a 44% jump in their average share price within 44% a year. 44% jump in within one, one year. year. Wow. A 44% share increase in one year to companies that were more diverse. Wow. So... Welcome, ladies. <laughs> so what does this mean then in terms of or what do you advise uh, companies and, and, and corporations or CEOs who are looking to, 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 to have to comply with David Solomon's uh, uh, new policies or boards that are trying to, to become more diverse? How do you do that? Yeah, well, it's it's been the same. Nothing has changed from our perspective. Um, just the message got louder and bigger. So we always advise on authenticity. So don't just select women, you know, to check a box off. Don't do that. And that don't just make put sense. a picture on your Instagram. Yeah. So what yeah. does that mean? Then? How do you be authentic in the workplace? So you find alignment, alignment with who fits the bill and really do do the search and not just, you know, the top players that are kind of like in the hat all the time. Like the players who are there always. Sorry, uh, yeah. it was my fault, everybody. <laughs> I, I didn't put her mic in front of her face. Got, Got it. it. Yeah. Got it. Um, so making sure that that hat has all the players in it and not just the regulars. So with women, that means we get to step up and not wait for the call, not wait for the invitation. We get to now put our name in the hat. And that's what's exciting about this, Kevin. So when you look at it through the lens of Washington, right, and we see so much especially in an election year with everything so intense and you've got different uh, candidates and, and whatnot and everything. What can politicians learn from CEOs and from board members uh, and, and from the private sector as it relates to embracing diversity? Because a lot of these Hill staffers on both sides of the aisle, they could use a little more diversity. 
Yeah, and when when we look at diversity, we look at creativity, we look at possibilities, we look at solutions that why not have everyone's input, as much input as possible. So, you know, when you're looking out into the field of potential voters or potential, you know, whatever it is you're working on, that why not keep looking in all the, you know, in different places, newer places and listen, take everyone seriously. Doesn't matter if they fit the bill or, you know, you know, just keep keep the open possibility that contribution comes in any shape, form, or size. I like that. Tiffany Hauser, stick around. We do this thing called What's on Your Radar, and I want to know what else is on your radar. And make sure, folks, if you're out there listening, go to the Bloomberg Terminal and read Jeff Green's reporting uh, on Bloomberg.com. Goldman to refuse IPOs if all of the directors are white, straight men. Again, that's Jeff Green's reporting. The bank is the latest firm that is really looking to counter a lack of diversity in corporate governance. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We are talking all things politics and policy coming up. Joel Payne is here, Democratic strategist. Lester Munson, a principal at the government relations firm BGR Group. He previously worked with Bob Corker. And I'll stick around too. You're listening to Bloomberg 90. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. My panelists, Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, Lester Munson, principal at government relations firm BGR Group, and he previously worked for Bob Corker. What's Bob Corker up to? Uh, I, d- I don't know. I think he he's a new grandpa last couple huh. of years, so I suspect he's spending a lot of time with his grandchildren. That's cool. I don't know for sure. All right. I got to get down to Tennessee. And Tiffany Hauser. Tiffany, how's your first time on Bloomberg Radio Sound Ongoing? Uh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Thank I, you for having me. I, I, you are welcome. Any time my friend all right so now we do this thing called what's on the panel's radar lester what is on your radar so one of the issues i've been following is uh the there was a new caravan uh that started in central america a few days ago and you'll recall from the 2018 election this was a big thing right before the election trump was doing all kinds of scare tactics about a caravan coming and the u.s being invaded and it was a little nuts he was trying to drum up his vote it didn't work at all He lost the election big time in 2018. Democrats took over historic election. Now this new caravan's formed in Central America, but when they went through uh, Guatemala and got to the border with Mexico, Mexico sent them back. Wow. So they're not getting through Mexico. They're not getting to the Texas border. Things have changed, uh, What's changed? on the southern border. Mexico has decided they're not going to let the caravan go through. The The new president of Mexico has, is working with Trump on a better plan to stop these caravans. So the, that dynamic from the 2018 election, I don't think we're going to see in 2020 again. And I'll just point out, it didn't work for Trump. He kind of went a little nuts on the issue. Didn't work for him at all. 
that's not going to obtain this year. So it might actually be good news for Trump. Well, it's remarkable, too, just given that this New Mexican president is much is more progressive than his predecessor. So And yet he and Trump are collaborating on a yeah. bunch of these issues huh. uh, on immigration stuff. Very, very, very interesting. Great thing that's on your radar. I appreciate that. Joel Payne. What is on the legendary Joel Payne's radar? I'm looking at the heartland of America. I'm talking about Iowa. I'm looking at two things. One, the weather. How's that weather going to impact gonna what's going to happen? Did it's going to be cold, but show? is it going to be so cold that people stay home, that people don't show up? That's a very, very underrated thing to pay attention to in terms I'll of how the turnout's going to be. Also, the future of the Iowa caucus. If Iowa picks an outlier candidate that don't that does not become the Democratic standard bearer, look for, and you heard it here first, look for Democrats to look to change the process and to possibly look at moving Iowa out of that first spot. I think that's so risky. How so? Because if you do that, it it totally it, it it will play right into the narrative that Democrats don't care about flyover country. I think the Des Moines Chamber of Commerce will be very unhappy. I think there are a lot of different parts of the country and a lot of different underrepresented minorities that'll be happy that maybe they have a bigger. But does that have. okay? This is a this, and and I mean this like does that set up the coasts versus the heartland? No, I don't. There are plenty of other states that represent kind of the same part of the country that Iowa does that you could work into the mix. I actually think probably like a rotating pool of states is probably something that would be the most egalitarian thing to do. Um, but yes, I will say this. I have a special spot in my place. Well, clearly uh, you don't. You no, just actually, told me to I do. get I off of the calendar. I lived in Iowa for six months. Oh, love did it. you? Love it, was probably, it sounds like it really made an impact. Love the people of Iowa. For but, Iowa. But, but if they pick an outlier candidate, Listen, look for that, that conversation to pop Some up. of us have to go there in two days. <laughs> I love the Hawkeye steak. They're the nicest people. I love zombie burger. I can get the fried mac and cheese bun with the double whammy burger. I don't know. I think it's risky. I think it's risky. I think when you've got Elizabeth Warren who grew up in Oklahoma, you know, I, I think she's got a pitch to make. I think also Bernie Sanders, who won Michigan against Hillary Clinton in the last primary season. I don't know. I think it's part of tradition. There's got to be – you got to have some tra- – I don't know. Lester, what do you think? You're a Republican. No, I totally understand what Joel's saying. I do think, I though – I understand, that, too, by yeah, and, and the Democrats' uh, primary process has not been fantastic for their party, I think, this time. That's my humble opinion as a disaffected Republican, but – you're right, Kevin, in that Democrats need to know how to talk to the heartland, and they got to win those votes. If they're going to get back to the White House, they need to learn how to win in places like Iowa. Iowa used to be a swing state. It's not anymore. It's not anymore. they got to get back to the place where they can and win And I just want to be on record as saying something. Republicans need to know how to talk to the inner cities. Republicans need to know how to 100%. talk to, 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 minor, to minority groups. And, yep. and so, I, so I think it – I mean, I, I feel that way about both situations. Um, I don't know, though. I, I hear what you're saying, and you're already hearing it, and I've got sources at the DNC uh, who, who also have raised the issue of this rotating pool uh, and whatnot, and you have people like Hillary Clinton who in years past have floated getting rid of the Electoral College. I think it'll be a conversation, but I'm not sure that having it in the middle of the primary and caucus, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. That's a great thing to have on your radar, though. Uh, and the weather. Like NFL fantasy <laughs> draft of, like, how do you draft which states? And I, mean, I could get excited for that. We have like a pizza party. Yeah, we could have Chris Berman go and announce it. It'd be great. What about Kev? Kev, too. You can do yeah. it, too. <laughs> Kev you. and I Chris appreciate Berman. That. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tiffany Hauser, what's on your radar? Well, interesting enough, um, the coronavirus. I, it, yes. It didn't even occur to me until you said uh, there isn't a czar. That, that just really yes. hit. 
So, you know, I don't know about Lester or Joel, but I know you and I, we fly a lot. Yes. And I don't know if you noticed recently, but in the airport, I just landed yesterday, people had on masks. Yes. Not international travelers, domestic travelers had on masks. And it, it really is. And I think that, Tiffany, is really where I want to shine the spotlight right now. Because when you look at the economic impacts that this has, it's not just obviously, you know, it's a health concern, people losing their lives, the death toll now surpassing 200 uh, in terms of reported cases that I, I don't want to, I want to make sure I didn't get that number wrong. Uh, but the, as the death toll continues- 212. 212, yeah. correct, yeah. As that continues to uh, to climb. But there's economic impacts. The, tra- the airline companies are now having to follow this. The cruise industry, tourism, commodities, trade, and all of that volatility is so incredibly uh, open. And so I'm curious, Lester, what you tell and advise your clients or what your colleagues advise clients at, at, at this particular point as it relates to some of these blind spots in, in the global economy. I think, I think what we're seeing is uh, an exacerbation of a problem that was already there. You're already seeing these supply chains being pulled apart. The pressure on China right now is bipartisan. Republicans and Democrats are critical of China. The business community is taking a hands-off approach. They're not promoting engagement anymore. And so our clients have kind of already moved on this. Our American businesses have started investing in other countries. That started years ago. They're not making those big money investments in China the way they used to. This change, this is going to exacerbate a change that was already happening, I think. All right. Here's something that's on my radar, and this is Ginny Rometty. Everybody know who she is. How could you not? She is the legendary CEO of IBM and she, uh, president and CEO, and she has announced uh, that she is going to be stepping down. Uh, she's retiring. She's been the executive chairman, president, and CEO of IBM since 2012. And Tiffany, you know, at, you came on the show and you talked about the shift in terms of corporate leadership and how Goldman Sachs is, is uh, you know, pushing to have more diversity on, on boards. Someone like a Ginny Rometty really was a trailblazer in many ways oh, for yeah. corporate America. Yeah, a star. And, you know, what's interesting is that um, I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up on some board. <laughs> I would not be surprised. That might be her new rodeo. But she really has been one of the dominant trailblazing first female CEOs who really, you know, is known as a leader, is known as a CEO, and oh, she happens to be female. Yeah. And, you know, actually, uh, I've been to a couple of events where uh, she was referenced in a keynote just for that exact thing. So you nailed it, Kevin. All right. Well, thank you so much to Tiffany Hauser, to Joel Payne. Joel, who's going to win Iowa? Uh, I think right now it looks like some combination of Bernie Sanders, Buttigieg, and Biden will finish top three. I think Sanders has the inside track right now. Wow. Okay. Lester, who's going to win Iowa? I think Klobuchar is going to win. She may not get the most votes, but she's going to surprise everyone. She's going to do I, much better than expectations. And I think she's going to launch herself into the top Klobuchar's tier. Klobuchar's your dark horse. Yep. Tiffany, you want to stay out of politics. I do, Kevin. <laughs> What's the best <laughs> place to eat in Iowa? Have you been to Iowa? I haven't. I've been in the airport many <laughs> a time. <laughs> I've not stepped foot in Iowa. Tiff. <laughs> Tiff, thanks for coming on. Would you come back? Absolutely. All right. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple, iTunes, and Bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. My name is Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Shout out to Wendy Benjaminson as well. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.